I'm going to dive, amen, right on in. Amen. So y'all can take your seat. series on push forward so for those who are visiting for the first time this year we have been in this series push forward since watch night amen and this is the fourth sermon in this message amen so we've been going through the letters p u s and h amen amen so the p was for purity and the u was for unity and the s was for sanctify and on today god has given us the h which is to honor. I know y'all probably thought it was holy, right? But um, the H is honor. Amen. The H is honor. And so the thought for today is that in order to push forward, amen, we must honor the gifts that are in us, amen, and the gifts of others, amen. And so that's why I read to you all Proverbs 18 and 16, which says a man's gift make it room for him. Your gift is going to be the thing that sets you apart. Your gift is going to be the thing that gets you to the next level. That Your gift is going to be the thing that blesses you, right? And the word says that it will bring you before great men. Your gift will put you in the room with the right people. Amen. Now, a lot of people are talented, and a lot of people have gifts, but they don't honor their gifts. They don't use their gifts for God. So they get in the room with people. These people might have money and they might have influence. But what I'm talking about is being in the room with the right people, not just some people. Amen. And so, so far, we have discussed the need for purity. We have talked about the need for unity. We've talked about the need to sanctify our lives, to to set, you know, ourselves aside, our space, our energy and our efforts for God. But why? Right. Why are we doing these things? Because God wants us to honor the gifts. Right. He wants us to honor the gifts. Yes, plural. He wants us to honor the gifts that are in us. Right. And so the very first gift that I want you all to consider honoring. Right. Is the fact that he has given you life. And I said gifts, plural. The first gift that I think we just need to thank him for. And a lot of us do it, but we do it so casually. Thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you that I see another day, right? We say that, right? But if you really meant it, because in this church, we talk about when you believe something, you're going to what? You're going to do something. If you believe it, you're going to like, so when you say thank you for waking me up this morning, as you go through your day, you're going to do things, you right? You're going to put action behind what you believe or what you say that's going to show like, Lord, I really thank you for waking me up this morning. Let me do something with my day. Right. You're not going to waste that day. So the first way that we honor our gift, which is simply life, right, is to value the blessing of it. We say it all the time, but it's true. Somebody did not wake up this morning. Somebody didn't get didn't get up out the bed. Right. So we get X amount of years on this earth. What will you use them for? How will you use those years to honor God? 
we think we have so much time, but we don't know that. We don't know if today is the last day. So today, not tomorrow, not next year. So today we should be honoring the gift of life. Um, I thank God for my small moments of a long time. And I ran to Lowe's yesterday. And on the way back from Lowe's, I stopped at the food line right there on Old Dawson. And I got my things. And on the way out, I saw one of um, my students that go to Lake Park, a little second grader. Um, and she was with her foster parents. And it was two other girls, two other older girls with um, with them. They all were getting in the car. And one of the older girls said, don't touch my stuff. I know what I bought. So I guess they divvy up their snacks. <laughs> so she told the little one, don't, don't, don't try to get in my snacks. Um, and I was just, it was a diverse group of girls. Two of the girls was white. The, the little girl that goes to Lake Park was black. Foster mom was black. But as I was just walking past the dog, because I spoke to her, she said, hey, Mr. Johnson. And, you know, that made me feel good because she was excited um, to see me outside of school. She was looking like, you go grocery shopping? I'm like, I go, I go places besides. <laughs> That's how she was looking like, ooh, he's out, like, he's out of out of school. Um, but I was just thinking about what those girls had to go through to be taken from their parents and be in foster care. Right? And then we come here and we be complaining and stuff and you know, not saying you maybe you maybe went through something like that. But just to be thankful, you know, if if, if that's not your situation. Just to be thankful for life, right? And so that's the first gift that we have to honor is the gift of life. But the main focus of this sermon is to is a call to honor the spiritual gifts that God has given you. Because your spiritual gifts, when you use your spiritual gifts, that's what's going to give your life value. That's what's going to give it meaning. If you're going through life and you're not using your gift, you're just going through the motions, You are always going to feel unfulfilled if you're not doing the thing that God called you to do. Even if you got money, even if you got recognition, even if you got a big house, you're still going to feel like something is missing because something is missing. Right. You might be using your gifts and something is still missing. Right. Because you're not honoring them. You have to use your gifts for God. Right. You know, there are people in this world with beautiful voices. Some of them use their gifts to glorify God. They use the the gift of of song to glorify God. And then some of them make music that's anti-God. Same same gift used for different reasons. And it's the same thing in our lives. We have gifts, but we have to honor them. Those are the things that give our life value. And so in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, this is what it means, right? Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savior, right, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Right? Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. New men light a candle and put it under a bush, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. How many of y'all want to go to the grocery store and buy some salt and when you sprinkle it on your food, it ain't salty? 
what was the point? You just wasted your money. How many of y'all buy candles, right? Because the power is out, but when you light the candle, it produces no light. Right? If you are not being used to do the thing that you are created to do, then what's the point? If you were created to glorify God and you don't, then what have you just done? You just wasted your life. You have to honor the gifts that are in you. So many people today feel despair because they don't honor their gifts. And I thank God for Pastor T, right? We are approaching, it'll be 19 this year, 19 years of marriage. But it's something that she said to me this year that freed me from feeling burdened and like all the things that I do sometimes that they don't matter. And she simply said, that's your gift. She said, that's your gift. She said, that's your gift. Out of all the things that she said over the course of, of these 18 years, you know, she said many wonderful things to encourage me. But when she told me that's your gift, it was like she was affirming, like, like, bro, you doing the thing. You doing that thing that you do. That's that thing that you were created to do. And I don't know why, like, I, maybe she had said that before, but for whatever reason, last year when she said it, a couple of months ago when she said that, that, um, that did something for me. It made me feel like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm doing it. I'm doing like, I'm, I'm, that was like confirmation that I'm doing that thing that I was created to do. So many people feel despair because they don't honor their gifts. They waste them. Being good at something is not honoring your gift. Being good at something is not honoring, like I say, you can be good at singing. That don't mean you singing for the Lord. You can be good at braiding hair. You can be good at working out. You can be good at managing people, right? But if you if you in the, if you are a manager, if you are a boss, and you had the opportunity to impact all of these lives, and you got a nasty attitude, you can make them do what you want them to do, right? You can I can make you do this, and I can threaten with fire you. I can do all of these things, right? I can manage and run the office. I can watch the bottom line and make sure that the money grows. But if you don't impact those people that you are over as a leader, you're wasting the gift of leadership. You're not stewarding it right. And that's why so many people feel despair. Like you can be on you can be on the top, you can be the boss and still feel like you're nothing. Right? You can't manufacture or manipulate the gifting of God. You can't manufacture in my lip. Like when God, you hear people say all the time, right? What's for me is for me. When God places a gift on your life, it can only be used one way, and that's for Him. If you use it another way, it's re- you really not using it like it was intended to be used. You using it for you, and it doesn't produce the same result. It doesn't produce the same result. If you misuse your gift, it only leaves you empty. If you misuse your gift, it only leaves you empty. And so my text today to explain, amen, how we have to honor our gift, I want to use Daniel, the second chapter. And um, and, and, and just a side note, as I begin, sometimes as, as I'm preparing and, I, and I'm reading, I'm like, God, it seems like you had me going to the same chapters, right? Because in 2020, I preached a, I preached a sermon called um, There Is a God. Amen. And and 
this is the same chapter that it came from, but that's the thing about the word. You, it's, it's inexhaustible. You get something different every time you read it. But as I go through this, I want you, I want you all to understand how your gift makes room for you. I told Sister Kiara, and I meant to share this a couple of Sundays ago. I told her this week, I said, I know you're working in your calling. So for those who don't know, she has her own gym. I say, I know you're working in your calling. Because I was in the gym. I say, girl, you make these people call on Jesus more than folks in the church <laughs> really say his name. They be doing them squats and they be doing them. Oh, Jesus, Lord. I'm like, you be making them call on Jesus more than the church. They won't open their mouth in the church. But in here, they calling on them left and right. And I told her, I said, you need to take advantage of that. When they start calling on you, you start to call on them. Tell them what you need. And then that'll open up the door to have a conversation. And some right talk. It doesn't matter what exactly you're doing. It's how you use. It's how you use the gift. Because God is going to put you in a situation. And that's the other thing. When he puts you in that situation, it's not going to be a comfortable situation. Because when you use your gift, your gift is supposed to save somebody else. Right? So he's not going to put you in a place where everybody's saved and everybody good and everybody got the right attitude and everybody want to do right. Because there's no work to be done in that environment. He's going to put you somewhere where it's difficult. He's going to put you somewhere where a sacrifice has to be made. He's going to put you somewhere where you got to work, where, where it's going to test your patience. It's going gonna, it's gonna to teach you how not to get angry. It's going to teach you how to long. He's going to put you right. He, your money not going to be right when you first start. He's going to put you somewhere where right, it's going to make you grow. Because he wants to see your gift right come alive. He wants to see your gift come alive. And so that's what I love. Like anytime I'm trying to deal with how do I manage a difficult situation, Daniel is that book for me. How do you get taken away from your home at a, at a teenager, get your name changed, and then be forced to live in a culture that is totally opposite to everything that you were taught? That's the type of situation that he's in. And what I love about him is through all of it, he still maintains his relationship with the Lord. I ain't in the kingdom. You can throw me in the line then. You can throw my friends in the fire at first. I'm still, right, whether we live or whether we die, I'm still going to serve my God. So the Bible tells us, I'm going I'm, to I'm you to, and y'all can remain seated, verses 1 through 5. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled. Right? Wherewith his spirit was troubled. All of us got dreams. Want to be a head football coach. Want to win a state championship. Want to run a business. Want to have a daycare. Right? Want, want, want to own real estate. All of us have a dream, right? But that dream in and of itself, right, is not going to fill the void in your life. So that's why we can still have dreams and we can know what we want to do and still be troubled. And still be troubled and still feel like something is missing. Because if you don't connect your dream to God, you're wasting time. It's fine for you to have the dream, but you got to connect the dream to God. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep broke from him. And then the king commanded to call the, musician, the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to show him right the meaning of the dream. 
And that's what we do, right? When we know we want to do something, but we often rely on people who are gifted. Well, let me just use my network. Let me use my connections. I know this person to be able to help me, right? We rely on people who are gifted, right? But no, just because they're gifted don't mean that they honor, they're honoring their gift. They might know how to do something, but do they know God? Because they might tell you what to do, but the method that they tell you how to do it might not line up with how God wants you to do it. So Nebuchadnezzar starts to call in all of these people. Explain to me, like, help me figure out this dream, this vision. Tell me what, what God is like. Tell me my purpose. Tell me what I'm supposed to be doing. But then he goes and asks the wrong people to explain it to him. Right? Those people, the people he called, their gift was rooted in worldly wisdom. Some people got worldly wisdom. They can help you easily. They can easily help you succeed in the world. It's easy to them. They can tell you how to do it. They can tell you how to fill out that PPP loan. <laughs> they can tell you how to get it. Quick. Right? Yeah. But you're going to answer for that money, baby. Yeah. When you stand before the Lord. Yeah. They can tell you how to get it. Right? They can help you be successful in the world. But it's only a few people that have that, that, that godly wisdom. That's going to really make it make sense to you. Right? So these people that never can a call, right? The word says that they came and they stood before the king and the king said unto them, I have a dream. Um, I have I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. So then he begins to speak to these people, right? And he begins to tell them, hallelujah, this paper always get called. He begins to, he, he calls them and he says, um, you know, show me the show me the interpretation in this fourth verse. And then the word says that the king answered and said unto them, "The thing is gone from me. If you will not make it make known unto me the dream with the interpretation thereof, ye shall be cut in pieces, and your house shall be made a dunghill." He basically tells them, "If you can't do for me the thing that you're supposed to be able to do, you're worthless to me. Y'all supposed to be able to interpret dreams and give answers." If you can't do it, then what do I have you for? You're worthless to me. Right? Thank you, Lord. So Nebuchadnezzar is like he's saying, if you can't speak to the root cause of my troubled spirit, then you are no good to me. And I'm telling y'all, people in the world that's giving you all of this advice, if they can't really address the root problem in your life, that ain't good advice. That's not good advice. Your gift, right? Their gift is insufficient. Nebuchadnezzar is saying, y'all gift is insufficient. You, you, you're false. You can't do what you claim to be able to do. So he tells them in the sixth verse, he says, but if you show, right, if you show the dream, if you tell me, think about how hard that is. Khadija say, I got a dream. I had a dream. Pastor, tell me what I dreamed last night. What? <laughs> and they like, no, you know, that, that's not how dream interpretation works. I need you to tell me the dream, then I can tell you what it means. Nebuchadnezzar say, uh-uh, I can't remember the dream. You ever had a dream? And can't? He said, I can't remember the dream. I want you to tell it to me. I want you to tell it to me, right? He says, if you're able to tell it to me, you will receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. He said, if you're able to do this impossible thing, then I'll give you gifts. And I'll give you honor, right? He said, don't just interpret the dream for me, right? 
in order for me to be at peace, I need you to tell me what I dreamed. And I'm telling y'all, that's what we need. Right? Sometimes we just want the interpretation, but really we need the whole vision. And only God can give you the whole vision. People can tell you what they think, but only God can give you the whole big picture. Right? So these, 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 these people, they say in the seventh verse, they answered again and said, um, go ahead and tell us the dream, and then we'll give you the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain time because you see this thing is gone from me. He said, no, I need you to tell me, and I need you to tell me right now because y'all just stalling. You just waiting to see if you can figure out what's going on, and then you're going to come up in, you're gonna come in here and make up something. He says, so, but if you will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak for me till the time has changed. Therefore, tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. These people turned and said, there is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler that adds such things as any magician, astrologer, or shall be. And it is a rare thing that the king requires. And there is none that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling place is not with flesh. Right? Minister taught us in the first Bible study that the Bible is all about who? Jesus. They say, hey, nobody do what you ask. And only the gods can do this. And they don't live in the flesh. That's not true. My, my Lord came from heaven, walked in the flesh. Got up on the cross, died, and was resurrected. So there is a God, right? There is a God who can do these type of things. Y'all just don't know him, right? They said they had this gift, but they gift couldn't do the thing that was required. Lord, I thank you. The word says that for this cause, the king was very angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon, right? And that's what happens a lot of times when we can't get the answers that we want from the world, right? Our response is, you burn it all down. I don't care no more. You burn it all down. Ain't nobody got the answer. Y'all, y'all supposed to be the ones that can do all this stuff and interpret dreams. And, and, and the sad thing is, this is how people feel when it comes to the church, because they come to the church looking for answers, right? Y'all supposed to be the ones that got answers, and they go in these churches and they don't get an answer, and then what's their response? Burn it all down. God ain't real, right? Lord, I thank you. Lord, I So, the word says that he was angry, that he commanded to destroy all the wise men. Nebuchadnezzar rejects, right? He, he, he gets upset. He says, burn it all down. And then I'm going to skip down to the 16th verse because Daniel is a wise man. So, he about to die too because these other people couldn't do it. Daniel get caught up in their mess, and because he's one of the wise men, his life is on the line too. So Daniel, in between the 12th and the 16th verse, Daniel says, hold on now, what's, what's going on? 
I wasn't even there. I didn't get an opportunity to, to try to interpret the dream. Like, what's happening? Why is my life being put on the line? Right? So in 2.16, the word says that Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time. And he says, I will basically, I will show you the king's interpretation. The king's interpretation. The 16th verse means love. Love steps in in the 16th verse. Right? And, and when I preach this in 2020, when I, well, the reason that I say love steps in is because not only did Daniel, not only was his life in danger, but his friend's life was in danger too. Right? So he says, I'm going to step in and I'm going to enter. I'm going to do the impossible. So not only is love stepping in in the 16th verse, Daniel's gift steps in in the 16th verse. He says, I'm going to step in and I'm going to use my gift to do the impossible. And not only am I going to save my own life, I'm going to save all these people's lives, including the people who couldn't do what the king asked them to do in the first place. I'm going to save all the wise men. Right? The ones who couldn't interpret it in the first place, they didn't deserve it. They didn't deserve to be saved. They were liars. Right? But Daniel said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to step into this difficult situation. I'm not going to say I might be able to do it. He said, just, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to interpret the dream. I'm going to step in. So not only does love step in, but Daniel's gift steps in. That's what your gift needs to do. Your gift needs to step in somewhere. Your gift, right, right? The Proverbs told us that your gift will make room for you. Your gift needs to step in. Your gift needs to step into somebody's life. Your gift needs to save somebody, even though they don't deserve it. Your gift needs to step in. Right? And it doesn't be like I might be able to. Your gift, you should have enough confidence, right? You should have enough confidence that my gift is going to save you. What you talking about, Pastor? My gift, right? Remember, I ain't talking about your own with you being good at something. When I say your gift needs to step in, what is your gift supposed to be connected to? God. Right? So with man, things are what? Impossible. But with God, all things. So that's what you can have confidence in, right? So when you step in and say, I got I got something for you, and this thing gonna turn your life around. Yes. You you're not just boasting or bragging or relying on your on your smarts. You saying, I know this gonna happen because I serve a God who can turn this thing around, and I have full confidence. That he's able to. That that's how Daniel operated. Daniel ain't just coming in like, yeah, I'm the best. I'm the best dream interpreter, so I know I can do it. No, how do I know that? Because what he, how he responds, he says I can do it first, right? Then he goes and be like, Lord, what I'm gonna do, God? <laughs> that's faith. When you do something, when you step out, not knowing how it's gonna get done, not knowing the first ten steps. That's what we be wanting. God, if you just give me the steps, I step out there. No, you got to step out there and say, I'm going to do it. And then you got to say, ooh. All right, now I'm depending on you because this thing, because this thing that I'm trying to do is impossible. Yes, yes, amen. Daniel was betting on his gifting. That's why I started out. That's why the title is honor. And I say, you got to honor your gift. You got to bet on your Jesus. And see, that's scary when you don't know if you really got him or not. You got to be able to bet on your Jesus. Like, I, 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 I bet on my Jesus, 
right? That my kids gonna turn out all right. I know what it looked like right now, but I'm confident. I'm willing to. I'm willing to put my neck on the line. Lord, I thank you. He was able to bet on his gifting, not just because he was gifted, because he knew his gift came from God himself. Like this gift that I got, like I told you when she said, that's your gift, right? That's how it made me feel like, I know this is right here. I know this is going to do something, right? This ain't just me, man. This is just not me thinking I'm smart. This is not just me putting something together. This, 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 this anointing right here. Daniel was able to bet on his gifting, right? Because it came from God. He basically, after he, after he put his neck on the line, he says, I can't do this, but my God can. And I'm willing to let him use me. And I'm willing to let him use me. Right? What moved Daniel to use his gift, right? What, what, you, what, what moved Daniel to use his gift was not favor with the king, but rather the desire to save souls. See, some of y'all, you want to use your gift because you want your money to look better. Right? You want to use your gift. You want to use your gift so you can get the recognition that you deserve. Like, I want to be known as, or I want to, I want to feel by the time I turn 30, by the time I turn 40, I want, you know, I want my friends to say, oh, like, yeah, she married, she got a house, she got, she got going on. Her life is all put together. Like, that's the reason that you want your gifts to work. And that's the reason why it doesn't. Because God didn't give you that gift for you. He gave it for somebody else. Because right? really and truly, you already got the best gift, which was number one, the gift of life. Right? You already supposed to have the best gift. Y'all see, we taught that talk. God, if you don't do nothing else, you've already done enough. You've already done enough. And then we turn around and say, now, can you bless me with can you bless me with? Can you do this for me? I thought he already did enough. Lord, I thank you for saving my soul. Right? Falling in love with Jesus. We say all them things and then we turn around and ask for more. So really, after he saves you, everything else that he does is just icing on the cake. So like, well, whatever he gives you after that point is supposed to be overflow. It's supposed to be like, I can't... This, You've already done so much for me. This other stuff you're doing, I can't hold. So I got to just, I got to give some to Khadijah. I got to give some to Missionary. I got to give some to Sister Bush in the back. Because I, I, I'm overly blessed. So why not, why not share what I got? So Daniel went trying to get the gift and the honor that Nebuchadnezzar promised. He's trying to save these folks because everybody getting ready to die. And that's why I preach. What, what can I get from them? Most people don't even like them. Most people run from preachers. Right? They run from them. So that's why I have a hard time. I'm like, you a preacher. You surely are popular. <laughs> you surely is popular. Mm. <laughs> why are you so... Because the majority of people don't want to hear the truth. Y'all really think these people that flock into these churches, they going because the word just be so good. <laughs> Come on, now. Come on. Jesus, like, right, he walked around with 12. 
He walked around with 12. The multitude when the multitude were the ones that put him on the cross. The word say you shall be hated for my name's sake, not loved. Daniel wasn't trying to get favor with the king in the world. He was trying to save souls. I ain't, I ain't ready. I'm not ready to die yet. I'm not ready to get out of here. Right? So he goes. He goes into this room, right? Lord, I thank you. It says that Daniel went into his house. This is the 17th verse, and this is Victor right here. He went into his house, and he made this thing known, right? He gets with his friends. This is the unity part. He get with the three the three Hebrew boys, and he says, right, like, y'all, I just asked God to, to do the impossible for me, right? So this, this is victory because Daniel knows what to do, right? I've asked God to do the impossible. Now I got to go in, I got to go in my house, and I got to hit my knees, and I need some other believers. I don't need all these, I don't need all them other people. I just need two or three to be gathered in his name, and I just need y'all to pray that God is going to make this thing known and that he's going to save us. It don't take, it don't take, oh, it don't take 2,500 people. I just need my three homeboys that I know, that I know love the Lord. How I know? Because they've been in the fiery furnace. You know they real. They got evidence to show that they real. See, we be you, you, you like God. I already told you y'all like to hang out. Y'all like to hang out with these folk that ain't got no power. So when Satan jump on y'all, who gonna say, devil, you got to get out of here and all y'all ain't got no power? You better be around some people. You better be around some people. Lord, I thank you. He goes in and like, come on now, y'all. I need, I need y'all to touch and agree, right? And this is what this is what he asked for in the 18th verse. He says that they would desire the mercies of God of heaven concerning this secret. Lord, please have mercy. This thing that the king is asking me to do is is impossible. I need you to show mercy right now. When your gift steps in the room, that's what it's doing. Like that's why I say, right, you praying for people that don't even deserve it. You might be praying for people that don't hurt you, right? Right, you might be you might be required to help family members who turn their back on you, but now that you done made it, you you your your gifting is requiring you to do something that 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 hurts. He said, All right, so I don't need y'all to just pray that we get out of this or pray that the king gonna like us. He said, God, you know, I'm praying that you would have mercy concerning this thing. Right? That we should not perish with the rest of the wise men in Babylon. Right? The 19th verse says that when this secret, when this secret was, then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Right? Weeping may endure wind. But joy comes in the morning. It's all, it's all connected, y'all. Right? But the problem is, when the last time you went in the room with Jesus, and Terry to get a solution so that tomorrow I would be different. Lord, I, I don't want to wake up tomorrow, right? I don't want to wake up tomorrow like I went to sleep today. Tomorrow I'm going to honor the gift. Like if you see fit to wake me up in the morning, then I'm going to honor the gift of life that you've given me and I'm going to use my gift to step in and save, right? If you, if you, you, you say you kept me through the night, let me introduce you to somebody else so you can get them through their dark time. Yes, glory, glory. Lord, I thank you. 
Say the secret was revealed in her night vision, and then Daniel turns around and he blesses the Lord. Right? Clap your hands with me. Do your holy life. He turns around and he blesses the Lord. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. We think wisdom and might are ours, but they belong to God. The only reason you don't have the answers is because you don't go to God. The only reason you don't have the answers is because you don't go to God. Y'all been, you been out there trying to think for the last year what your next move is. God will tell you. He'll tell you. Then when he tell you, you got to have the mind to say, yes, Lord. If he don't tell you what you want to hear, then what you asked him for in the first place. See, that'd be our problem. We, we want to go to people and see that's the same problem that Nebuchadnezzar had with these astrologers and stuff. We go to people who tell us what we want to hear. We, want, we go to these people so they can tell us what we want to hear and then when stuff don't work out, we have somebody to blame. Well, that's told me or whoever told me that. So that's why that didn't work. I really didn't want to do that no way. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. But you want to use me as a scapegoat. Right? But if you would go to God, God will tell you what to do. It might not be comfortable. Right? But if it's something impossible and if it's something secret, he's the only one that can do it. Right? We think that if we just trust our instincts, just trust my good. Probably ain't nobody here got no healthy good. If we just, if we just trust our good, if we just trust our instincts, rely on our talents, right? If we rely on our know-how, we'll be fine. But the reality is, if you don't, if you don't honor and acknowledge God, and if you don't acknowledge that you're gifting, if you don't acknowledge that every good thing, so that includes your stuff, like any anything that's good about you, God did that. Anything that's good about you, God did that. Lord, I thank you. Right? If you don't acknowledge your gifting comes from God, you will perish. We have to we have to have a willingness to use our gifting because our gifting reveals vision. Daniel, if Daniel had just said, man, we done for, but no, he was like, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna I'm gonna step in. And when he used his gifting, that's when God told him the dream, right? I got in my notes, and I'm talking about myself, and I have in here, I'm not that smart, y'all. I'm not that smart. I'm not, I'm not that smart to preach this. That's what y'all think, and I ain't going to let y'all gas me. I ain't going to let y'all gas me up either. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a pastor T, ain't either. She's gonna keep me humble. I'm not that smart to come up with this, these things, right? When 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 God asked, when he asked Peter, right, who the men say that I am? He said, flesh and blood is then reveal this to you. You didn't get this from yourself. Right? And that's the thing. And, and when when Peter acknowledged it, that's why God could turn to him and say, upon this rock, upon this truth. If you tell the truth, God can establish something in your life. He can, he can prop you up. He'll give you a sure foundation. But you got to admit, right, 
You got to admit that he's God and not you. Amen. That's what that whole thing is about. He's God and not you. He has the answers and not you. Lord, I thank you. Right? So I'm not that smart. I've just surrendered myself to God. So what y'all see is just him. Right? It's just him using me, working through me. Right? We talk about it all the time. She get to see Jonathan. She get to see when the Holy Ghost ain't automatic. She get to see when I'm in my feelings. She said, you be so gentle and kind and meek and all that with them. She said, but you come home with me. And I ain't saying I beat her or nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying she get to see. <laughs> she get to see the she get to see me in all of my weaknesses. And then she sees like how I wrestle with things and how God is dealing with me and how you write like all of these things that he's working on me with. Right? And, and she holds me accountable for those things. And I thank God for her, right? And the reason that I have surrendered myself to God is because there's nowhere else for me to go. There's nowhere else for me to go. When I was in the world and I'm reading all these self-help books and astrology books and I'm reading my horoscope in the in the in the Auburn hair and doing all of these things, <laughs> right? That didn't work. It didn't work. I tried it the way that Nebuchadnezzar folks tried, and it didn't work. The vision for my life, the vision for this church didn't come together until I found Jesus. It wasn't the other way around. It wasn't he established all of this. And then I, I built my relationship with him. It's I built my relationship with him first. And then he started giving me a plan for ministry. Then he started blessing me on my natural job in the school system. Then he started opening doors and putting me in the right room with the right people. Then he increased my salary, right? Seek ye first the kingdom, and then everything else will be added. Y'all are y'all still you still you out there waiting for stuff to change in your life when your relationship with God has not changed. It ain't gonna work. Your relationship with God has to change for your life to change. So I'm coming to an end, Junior. I got two. Three verses left. This is Daniel 21 through 23. So Daniel gets the vision and then he says, right, he's talking about God. He says, and he changes the times and the seasons. God controls the times and the seasons. That's how he, that's how I can prophesy to Sister Khadijah and say, God say he's going to restore your time. I can't do that, but he controls time. He can. Right? He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that they know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Daniel began to say, I thank thee and I praise thee, O thou God of my Father, who has given me wisdom and might and has made known unto me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. Daniel just went into a praise party. He just started saying, God, you can do the impossible. You can control time. You can control seasons, seasons right? You can cast out darkness. You can make things that, that people think 
are impossible happen. He just goes into a praise party and he's praising, right? Because he's basically, he's saying, God, you just saved our life. We was getting ready to die. You just saved our life. And so I, I close with these thoughts, and, and, and in my notes I says, if you honor the gift of life that God has given you, you will spend more time with him. Amen. Amen. Right? You will spend more time with him. Right? The Bible tells us to honor our parents. Right? And even if your parents your biological was not in your life, God still leaves you without an excuse because he's your father. Right? And you should honor and respect him as such. Right? If you honor the gift that God has given you, you will spend more time in his word. And you wouldn't just be reading it to check it off your list. You would be reading it and respecting it because it is the truth. If you honor the gift that God has given you, you would make him you would make him proud by living out what he has taught you. You would use your spiritual gift to save lives, but that's a hard thing to do when you don't even know them. You gotta spend enough time with God where you can say. I can interpret dreams. Right? I had a gift of discernment. I got a gift of teaching. Right? I'm blessed with. You don't know if you're good at something until you start doing it. You don't know if you're gifted at something until you start doing it. And that's the thing. A lot of us, we too afraid to start. We too afraid to step out in faith. That's hard to do when you don't even know them, right? You don't know them because they're not active in your life. And I end with this scripture, and this is 1 Corinthians 12, 1-3. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, right, carried away into dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give to you to understand that no man Speaketh by the Spirit of God, calleth Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Why you close with that, Pastor? Why you close with that? Because the number one gift that you got to have is you got to know who God is. And you got to know, you got to know that God Amen is in control and not you. Amen. 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 <laughs>